Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. We're going to drill into oil and we're going to drill into diesel because that's what we always do here on Drilling Deep. And then we're also going to do what we always do is we're going to drill into the arena for new technology as Avi Geller joins us. He's the founder and CEO of Maven Machines. His firm got a whole bunch of money this year to improve their cloud-based product, and he's going to be here to talk about it. Don't have much to say about diesel prices per se this week. They haven't done that much on the surface. But, you know, it's always been a challenge for me here on Drilling Deep to take what can be a complicated market and try to drill it down to a more simple basis for the people who consume diesel to get their job done, but they don't necessarily have time to understand all the ins and outs of diesel pricing. Remember, though, that when we talk about oil prices, there isn't just one price. There is a price for ultra-low sulfur diesel on the CME Commodity Exchange for delivery a month out. Right now, that price is for January delivery. But there's also a price for six months out and a year out and two years out and all the months in between. So these numbers are not predictions of where the price will be a year from now. It's hard to easily describe what they represent. Think of that curve of prices as a complex mix of inventories and interest rates because they represent in part what it would cost to, to uh, cost to the buyer to buy oil now and to store it for delivery later on. In a normal market, one that is perfectly balanced, like the, they would do in sort of an economic model, that price will rise over the course of time because it costs money to store oil and it takes financing to tie that money up. But the level of inventories, physical inventories, is also extremely important in that number, and it's something that needs to be looked at. The U.S. has relatively transparent diesel inventory numbers. They come out every Wednesday, and we've talked before here on Drilling Deep about how inventories of diesel got to record-breaking levels this, this past spring and summer. And you could see that in the spread between the first month of diesel prices and the price 12 months out. It got as high as $0.45, cents, which is just a crazy number compared to historic norms. A lot of crazy numbers in 2020. But when you see a number like that, it means there is a lot of oil in inventory. That spread encourages traders to buy oil today, sell it for delivery 12 months from now, and pay for storage. When it's like that, it's a situation they call contango. We've also noted that diesel inventories have been dropping. Refiners wanted to reduce those gigantic stocks, and so they did. As a result of that, the spread between the first month and 12 months out has been narrowing significantly. As I mentioned, it, April got out to 46 cents, but it's been dropping a lot. This past week, it got under 7 cents. You may be wondering, what's the difference? If we know that U.S. inventories have been dropping because we get told that every Wednesday when the data comes out, why do we have to look to the spread to tell us what, to tell us what the weekly report is already telling us? But diesel is a global market, and that diesel price on CME will ultimately reflect global trends. There'll be, there'll be data in there, I won't say data, but transactions in there in Europe, in Asia, that really all kind of come together to give us a really good no look at the numbers. That's why I kind of feel a bit sheepish, because when inventories were so enormous, not all that long ago, I kept saying that they were going to take a long time to burn off. Quite frankly, that didn't happen. They're still high by historic standards, but they've also taken a drop that has been historic if you measure them by day's cover. Day's cover is the number of days needed to draw them all down if consumption stayed the same and production stopped. It's a great, easy-to-digest benchmark. What that spread now is telling us that at six plus cents difference, at a six plus cents difference, inventories are still ample. Six cents is pretty healthy. But it was notable this week that the weekly inventory numbers came out. It showed a pretty big build in the U.S. 
and the spread between the front month and the 12-month price widened by only a small amount. Refiners have done a great job from their perspective of tightening inventories, and that 12-month spread is showing it. This is not a prediction that prices are going to rise, but it is a prediction that inventories have narrowed enough that the big cushion from a few months ago is not necessarily gone, but it is certainly a lot softer. We are going to shift focus here on Drilling Deep, and we are going to bring in our guest for the week here. He's Avi Geller, the founder and CEO of Maven Machines. It's a freight tech company that is found in a place where you don't normally think of as a freight tech center. He's down in the Iron City of Pittsburgh. Avi, welcome to Drilling Deep this week. Thank you, John. It's great to be on uh, on the show with you. So this has not been a good year for a lot of people, but it's been a pretty good year for your company because you did raise $7 million in a Series A round uh, funding earlier this year. Although you've been around, I think, about six years. So uh, Maven Machines is working to develop a software platform for the transportation industry that combines telematics, machine learning, and other technological capabilities to aid efficiency for those for on-the-road fleets and for back offices. So what was your goal when you raised that much money? Yeah, that's a, that's a great summary as well. And um, our, I mean, our goal, so you, you touched on it. We've been around for over six years. Um, and although we are a startup company, that gives us a certain amount of I would say maturity behind uh, everything that we're doing and all that we've built over the years. And our goal in, in raising this investment is uh, kind of series a uh, investment round uh, was to enable our growth in the market. Um, you know, we spent all these years and efforts to build uh, the platform that you touched on, help uh, companies run as efficiently as possible, leveraging real time data from telematics and in real time data from their TMS systems and put it all together and our, our goal is to continue developing that solution with the latest algorithms uh, and methodologies uh, on, on the cloud and help uh, companies, help carriers run their operations as efficiently and profitably as possible. A lot of tech buzzwords in there. So maybe you can bring it down to real specifics. What does your platform do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we do is everything from telematics to operations of the, of the fleet itself which includes things like route planning, dispatching type, uh, type activities that are performed, you know, uh, with, with the activities of the fleet. Um, so we have a cloud-based flat platform, um, that does everything for the driver from ELD to vehicle inspections, um, driver safety technology is built in and all of the, the workflow type experiences that drivers require. Uh, so the activities they do when they're, when they're at stops, um, it, which are very contextual to the type of stop that they're doing for the type of trucking or the type of customer that they're servicing at that time. That is information that the driver needs uh, to receive and information that the driver needs to input is all automatically uh, kind of customized and provided to the driver. And that's tightly integrated to a TMS for the operations of the fleet. Um, and, and that's, you know, kind of on a high level is that ability to run all the compliance and basic GPS tracking you need for a fleet, as well as leverage the optimal driver experience, dispatcher experience, route planner experience, uh, leveraging that real-time data. All right. So when you went out to raise that money, uh, there's a a whole uh, universe of funding sources. Some of them are specialized in tech in general. Some of them are specialized in freight tech specifically. So what did you tell them was going to be the difference between your system and others? Because this is a very crowded field. Yeah, there is. I mean, so there's a lot of companies doing kind of GPS tracking and telematics. Um, there's far fewer companies in 
what, what we call operations, uh, where you get into the actual planning of routes and how you dispatch, how you assign the right driver with the right equipment to the right load at the right time. Uh, and it's a difficult thing to do. We make it easier for ourselves being the only company that integrates the kind of real world data from the ELD, from the vehicle itself, from a mobile device of a location and other information, as well as really sophisticated uh, user experiences for the drivers, um, as well as for the dispatchers and planners. Um, so it's it's it starts as being crowded in the telematics side. But once you get into the actual solution that we're offering, it's a very underserved um, kind of value proposition in the market. Um, and, and that's what excited us and excited the investors that uh, came on board with us. So when I think of route planning, of course, the first thing a lot of people think so, think of is, is wave, Waze. Excuse me. Uh, I know that I wrote a piece for FreightWaves a couple of years ago when Waze was a pretty high finisher in our Freight Tech 25. Uh, what, does, what does your system do that, let's say, something as – uh, Waze doesn't seem basic to me, but I guess it's kind of a very, it is kind of basic. People can use it in their own cars. Um, is that kind of a standard to which you have to build on? Yeah, so that's a good point. Waze is really turn-by-turn turn navigation. So if you have one driver doing a route, uh, a, a, an offering like Waze or Google Maps, or there's a number of other kind of turn-by-turn turn navigation providers will help the optimal route for that for that trip. Um, but that's not what I mean with route planning. That is a piece of it. And, and we use technology in our system similar to ways for that takes into account, um, you know, real time navigation, uh, traffic, uh, situations, weather, as well as it's, 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 uh, specific for trucking, uh, scenarios. So taking into account limits on, uh, weight and height restrictions and others for the vehicle. But when I, when I'm talking about route planning, I'm talking about, uh, um, uh, an operation if it's kind of a LTL or kind of final mile operation where you have a, a terminal or a service center and you're putting out a hundred drivers who are going to do 20 to 40 stops. Uh, and therefore you're doing 200 to 400 stops. How do you create those hundred routes for all those multi hundreds of stops in the optimal way for your operation? That's the kind of uh, thing I'm talking about or for truckload, where you have a network of hundreds or, or even thousands of drivers across a large region, how do you optimize uh, the journeys that they're going to take, the trips and loads that they're going to run uh, from, for optimal efficiency? It's funny you noted, you added, you kind of noted truckload second. Have you found so far that the best market for your product has been the LTL area? Um, so they're actually both great uh, opportunities for us. Um, they're, they both leverage the same technology platform we've developed in different ways. We happen to have started, uh, you know, frankly, with uh, LTL. Um, and uh, so maybe that's why I happen to have mentioned it first. But uh, our largest growth uh, segment for our business is in truckload in a number of different truckload uh, type operations. And, and there's huge benefits there. Specifically, what I mentioned earlier, the driver experiences. Um, it helps truckload companies to, to get that, you know, even as simple as an auto arrive or auto depart, kind of a geofence type event where a driver arrives at a, at a stop and instantly that is recorded without re requiring the driver to push a button or enter any information. It's just recorded in the TMS automatically. And when they depart, it does the same. And that load can clear out in the TMS instantly. Something as kind of basic as that, that works flawlessly every time is very powerful for a company. So we see a lot of uh, opportunity in the market there. 
Now, it sounds very high end. This is an industry that has gigantic companies like Knight Swift, like Schneider, and it's got a lot of companies that have 10 vehicles in them. So how big are you finding is, let's say, how big is the smallest <laughs> customer of Maven Machines? Yeah, so we serve from a single truck owner operator up to, you know, the largest customer we're working with has over 8,000 trucks uh, or 8,000 drivers. Um, so, so this is not just a product for the elite. That's correct. And it's, uh, that's what's nice about what we've developed is, so, you know, you touched on us being in Pittsburgh. And the reason I moved to Pittsburgh to start the company here is, is for a couple of reasons. One of those reasons is proximity to Carnegie Mellon University. I myself, uh, you know, went to college at MIT. Um, the goal is to leverage, you know, the, the most powerful minds in software engineering uh, to create uh, a software platform, a cloud-based uh, platform that is designed so well that it's simple to use at the end of the day. It just kind of does the right thing for the right user at the right time. And, and that's the, the way we've developed it. And it's allowed fleets as small as an owner operator to just leverage the software um, and be successful in their actual interest, which is driving the truck. Okay, now let's go back to the fundraising because that's always fascinating for us here at Freightways. We've covered the, the market for freight tech. And uh, if you're going to cover the market for freight tech, you have to cover the funding for freight tech. Did you find that this was a this was a, a process in which people were beating down your doors? We know that this is a hot area. We know that a lot of money is getting thrown at it. Uh, is it possible maybe at a certain point you had to say, okay, we're we're good with $7 million and we don't want to take any more than that. Maybe Maybe more than that was available to you. What was the process like? Yeah, that, that is actually how it how it played out. There was a lot of interest in partnering with us and investing in in Maven. Um, and so when I started the company um, from day one, the the vision was a long term company. Um, there's different ways to build companies, and there's different motives and, and expected results that people have along the way. Sometimes people enjoy starting a company from scratch and and exiting within a year, two years, or, or fairly quickly and moving on. And other times you want to build a company for the long term. And that was my ambition, and it still is. And we were looking for investors that shared that vision. Uh, we were here. Uh, everything that we've done from how we do customer support to the technology itself, the products that we've developed, the customers that we serve, is with a vision to be in business for, for decades and to serve the industry um, along that, that line of thinking. So we found investors or you know, that that share the same kind of link uh, thinking with us, and yes, we we turned down quite a bit of uh, offered investment uh, because, frankly, uh, we we took in what we needed to take in um, and to run a uh, you know a well-run successful business. How many employees did you have before you took in the seven million, and how many do you have now? Yeah, so we were around. 30, between 30 to 40 at the time of the investment. And now we're over 110. Wow. So you've really grown with this funding. Yeah, we've, we've grown, you know, we've had, it's been an interesting year, obviously, uh, across the board with, uh, with the pandemic. Um, but uh, we've been fortunate. It's been a really good year for us. And, and uh, you know, we're all excited at, at what we've been building over the years, what we've accelerated to, to build uh, throughout this year, the customers that we're working with, the partners that we're working with, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty excited. Now, there's a famous quote from Steve Jobs, and I'm not going to get it right, but it's something along the lines of customers don't even know what they really want. You know, there's always that debate. Well, do the customers want this? And I think his philosophy was always 
at Apple were smart enough to figure out what they probably want, and then we'll just give it give it to them. So I'm curious, what sort of services or uh, information or data flows have your customers been asking for? Uh, what kind of um, processes have they been asking for that you've been able, able to provide? Or is it more along the lines of, you know, you, you think of something that you think would be good and then you go to market with it? So that's a great question, a great comment. And yes, uh, Apple was famous for not doing a lot of the focus group testing and user testing uh, to, to determine how they're going to make their products. Uh, rather, they would create the iPhone and put it out there and people would realize, oh, I needed an iPhone. I didn't know that. Um, and you know, very few companies can do that as well as they did. But that is a philosophy that we somewhat take, uh, take on as well. And what I, mean, what I mean by that is we have a huge emphasis on product design uh, here at Maven. Uh, and that means our, our team of product designers, when we go out to make a driver workflow solution or dispatching or route planning or ELD or whatever the application or product may be, our designers will spend many, many days, uh, dozens and dozens of hours with the people who are going to use these products. And they and they kind of shadow them and learn how do drivers use ELD? How do, dri- how do dispatchers dispatch throughout the day? How do route planners who often plan between midnight and 5 a.m., how do they do that? And our designers will spend many, many nights with these people looking at how they do their jobs today, what's important to them, how are they making decisions, what's missing. And along the way, the people will, you know, the the users, the end users will make suggestions about how they think things should be. And of course, we take that into account. But then our designers and product managers and and builders will go and and kind of brainstorm and come up with their own solutions. Um, And that's where the magic happens. And and we'll go and, and sometimes you have to kind of build it and put it in someone's hands. And then they say, oh, this is this makes a lot more sense than, than how we used to be doing it. And that's what we strive for in our product creation, product development process. So what functionality have you offered to the market that maybe necessarily wasn't asked for that you're most proud of? Yeah, so a lot of it is kind of the um, show people the information they need at the time, you know, what, what they need at the time that they need it, um, as well as the integration of different uh, data sources uh, and applications. So dispatchers having visibility into ELD hours of drivers uh, so they can make better decisions. Um, automated, uh, you know, kind of route planning, route optimization. Um, in a dispatching scenario, trying to do as many of the dispatching activities automatically so that the, the manual work and, you know, the dispatchers and planners and managers can focus on managing by exception. Um, so you kind of highlight the, the more difficult areas and you provide additional information for them so they can make you know, better decisions and in kind of in a freer way than they used to before. Um, it's really getting to kind of the very details of, OK, I need you know, what exactly information do you need to see at the right time to make the optimal decision in as fast of a period of time as possible? And that's where we focused and done really well. Um, what, uh, what are some of the things you're working on now in terms of new functionality that either people are asking for or something that you've come up with that you think would be a, a good addition? Yeah. So we, I mean, we're just building, we're kind of on this, uh, long-term plan to keep building out the platform, um, in the truckload space. You know, I mentioned, uh, the flexible workflows. That's, that's a, a new product that is actively being deployed right now. And we're very excited to do so, uh, helping truckload companies dispatch, um, where you do have uh, hundreds, uh, typically it's hundreds of vehicles out, 
and how you match the right driver to the right load at the right time for uh, for a carrier's operation is something that we're working on uh, very actively in uh, more of an LTL final mile space. Uh, we're rolling out uh, inbound planning and outbound planning for uh, for operations there. Um, there's a lot of very exciting uh, products that we're working on. And, you know, one thing is uh, we do like to partner uh, with our fleets along the way to, to, to make sure that the solutions serve their needs somewhat, you know, similar to what, or along the lines of what I, what I mentioned earlier. Does your uh, ELD, is it marketed under the name of Maven? Yeah. So it's Maven ELD and it's integrated into the platform. All right. So let me ask you something. So is it, it's possible, I guess, for somebody to use your services with not, without necessarily using a Maven ELD? Yes, that's right. So that's one of the nice things about the platform is it's a suite of products and solutions. And it is possible to kind of pick and choose somewhat a la carte uh, the areas that you like, whether it's ELD or DVIR or dispatching or planning. We have a really powerful driver messaging system built in, something I could have touched on earlier, um, where a, a manager or dispatcher can send out a broadcast to a group of drivers. And that can be based on seniority, location, type of equipment, type of loads that they're carrying. Um, so if you want to let a group of drivers on I-80 in Ohio know about a, a coming weather condition, you can just blast that out um, and they will get it. And there's read receipts and things like that are built in. Um, so you could choose these different components and leverage for the benefit of your specific trucking operation. Um, in your literature and the things I've read about you, you refer to machine learning quite a bit. And I'm going to be the first person to admit, but I don't think I'm the only one like this. I don't fully understand the difference between machine learning and AI. Now, I notice you use the term machine learning a lot. You don't use AI as much. Can you discuss the difference and which is more important to you? Yeah. I mean, so there's, there's a lot of similarities there um, and a lot of confusion in, in terms of just kind of buzzwords in the industry. Machine learning largely comes from a neural network uh, analysis. And if you look at, you know, basically a network of uh, of data, and you're trying to determine correlations between them. Traditionally, before uh, such technologies, you could do it with a rule set and try to, you know, predict uh, outcomes uh, in more of a structured, uh, kind of call it logical fashion. And then with the advent of machine learning, um, it allowed things like uh, text-to-speech to dramatically improve um, and things like uh, route optimization to dramatically improve. improve. Um, it's related to artificial intelligence, um, and um, you know, artificial intelligence can 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 be more of a use case uh, for an end user, um, and it sounds really nice. Um, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarities between them. Just machine learning is more of an accurate uh, description for the type of algorithms that we're employing. Final question. If it's a successful 2021 for you, how many employees are you going to have a year from now? Ah, so we're, we are extremely excited for what's, uh, what's coming in 2021 for us. Um, we're going to have some major announcements uh, early in the year and then throughout the year, both on uh, you know, exciting customers that we're working with and products that we're rolling out into the field. Um, our plans have us at, uh, uh, well, we have a couple of different models. Uh, I don't want to uh, overdo the, uh, I guess, uh, on the record uh, predictions here, but we're definitely going to anticipating significant growth both in uh, in the business as well as our headcount throughout the year. Well, good luck to you. And maybe we'll talk to you at the end of 2021 and see how things worked out. I look forward to that, John. Thank you very much.
So we're here on Drilling Deep. We've been talking to Avi Geller, the founder and CEO of Maven Machines. You have been listening to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. We are part of the Freightcast family of podcasts here at FreightWaves. You can find us on all the main platform for podcasts. We're here every week. We hope you join us again. And thank you for joining us today. <laughs>